Welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyons podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and blesses you. Before we get into our our service, I do want to remind you um, today, Raquel posted our on YouTube, not YouTube, the YouVersion Bible. If you have that app, how many have the, the Bible app on their phones? You can download this and you can actually follow along with my notes on there starting today. So she's given you instructions here. You open up the Bible version app. You go to more down at the bottom of your right hand screen and then select events and then select Foothill Christian. And when you do that, all my notes that are going to be up on the screen anyways will appear on your phone. So if you have any questions on that, you can see us later, but um, you can save those. Uh, if not, they're just, they disappear after today's sermon, I believe. But you can have them there while you're seated. Amen? Amen? Try to make it easier for you to follow along. Amen. The other thing I want to do at the outset is there's three immediate needs that we need to go to prayer for. And uh, I want to mention them here at the outset so that we can pray together as a church family. And the first one is for um, Pastor Steve's family. His daughter just had a a baby. Um, This is their second grandchild. And the baby was born with some breathing problems, so uh, lung issues. And we're going to pray right now for, this is Mariah's baby, that her little newborn son named Dominic would be able to breathe the way God intended him. He came, uh, I think, a few weeks early than the, what the doctors had planned. And how many know that God has it all figured out? Everything happens for a reason, but we're going to pray for, for God's blessing upon this young, young infant. And so they're, they're at the hospital there with their daughter and their grandchild. We're also going to pray for a friend of ours, Pastor Vernon Barker in Fairfield, He pastors a church called Celebration Church, and he is in the hospital with COVID right now. In fact, he was just placed on a ventilator yesterday, which is not good news. How many know it's still a real thing we're facing out there? Um, One of the reasons we're still requiring masks in here, um, I get it. It's a real deal. Um, I'm not going to get into whether you believe it or not. I just want to know that we, I want to keep this church as safe as possible. Amen? Amen? And so I want to pray for Pastor Vernon and his family for peace and comfort. And then the third and final point would be for my sister Yolanda, who have also I've brought up here many times. Many of you know she has a rare illness called amyloidosis, a very rare illness. And she's had that for, oh, 15 years or so. She's a heart transplant recipient. She's on dialysis. This is my baby sister. And she's in the hospital right now with pneumonia. And in her compromised condition, that's a very delicate situation, as you would imagine. So I want to pray for continued blessings on her health. So if you don't mind standing one more time, we're just going to go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to pray for each of these needs here today. So let's bow our heads. Father, we come boldly before your throne, Lord. These are three of your children, Lord. We're going to start right now with this little baby, this little infant that you created, Lord. Your hands formed in in her mother's womb, Lord. This is your child. And we pray, Father, that your your breath would just breathe through him right now. That those lungs would develop. That those lungs would be healed to be able to breathe on his own. And to be able to breathe as you intended him to breathe. Father, we're trusting and putting him in your hands right now. 
We also pray for comfort for the family, the Nally family, that God, that you would remind them that you are their healer, that God, that you, with you, all things are possible. And we believe that, we receive that today in the name of Jesus. We also lift up Pastor Vernon Barker right now, Father, that you would visit him in that hospital room that he's in. God, that the angels of heaven would surround his bedside. Lord, that you would be able to bring healing to his lungs and, and the issues that COVID brings along to this man. I pray for healing from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, Father, that he would experience your healing touch, a miracle, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We're, we're believing for that, Lord, and we're thanking you right now in advance for that healing. Bring comfort to the family who's surrounding him right now with love and concern. And finally, Lord, I lift up my sister Yolanda to you, Lord. I pray, God, this is a, a prayer warrior, one that believes in you, one that has faith, amazing faith, that has seen her to this very day. And I'm praying right now for that healing to be heard, hers right now, Father. She's been diagnosed with pneumonia in that hospital, and I pray, God, that you would be her strength. Lord, I pray that you would lift her up out of that bed right now, Father, and God, that you would be her strength and be her healer in the name of Jesus. Give her the energy, give her the endurance that she needs to be to set home, Father. And Lord, we give you thanks. We give you praise. We give you the glory and honor. It all belongs to you because you are the healer. You are the mighty God that loves us and cares for us and brings healing to us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining me in prayer. You may be seated. Amen. At this time, if we have uh, our kids' church, and uh, Pastor Anna will go out with your kids. We have our kids' church out in the other room there. If your children want to go um, with her, just follow her and um, give a big hand to Pastor Anna and the children as they follow. This is for 12 and under. If you're 12 and under, if you want to go to kids' church, it'd be a great time. Right now, amen, amen. They're gonna have a great time. I want to go. I didn't grow. I didn't go to kids' church when I was a kid. I wasn't in church when I was a kid. I am now, though. So, hey, listen. Today, I want to talk to you about something that's really been on my heart. Um, as you know, the last few weeks, we just wrapped up a series. Uh, Are these the last days? How many enjoyed that series? Are these the last days? I think I was on it for like seven, eight weeks. I lost track. We were, there's so much to speak about on that topic. And I dedicated it to our late brother, Ed Miller, who that was his theme. That was what he spoke on. That is what he uh, wanted to also make you and I aware of all the time is, are you aware that these are the last days? And so there, there was a lot that we spoke on there. But today, and this kind of goes hand in hand with this, I want to speak to you on a different topic. And the title of this sermon is called The Risk of Complacency. Everybody say that with me. The Risk of Complacency. And what do I mean by that? Well, in our, in our church world, the last 18 to 20 months have been very challenging to very difficult times. How many agree with me on that? Very difficult, even outside of church, just functioning in our own homes, in our own communities been very challenging. And one of the things that this, this, uh, what happens is because as your pastor, my, my main focus for each of you, I don't care who you are, I'm, this is my focus for each of you, is that you would grow spiritually, 
that you would grow into the knowledge of who Jesus Christ created you to be. Amen. In other words, not, not remaining the same believer that you were when you first came to church, but to grow and to mature and to walk in wisdom and, and not make the same mistakes you did two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago. Amen? Amen. And so that's my number one desire, but in that process, in the last 18 to 20 months, I believe it's become a challenge for a lot of people, a lot of believers. What do I mean by that? Well, churches have been closing. Small groups disbanded. We, you know, those that were having small groups, maybe in homes and uh, maybe at the church, we then turned to online services or Zoom Bible studies, which we continue to do. But they're just a band-aid. They're not replacing the real thing of fellowship. How many would agree with that? There's something about having the fellowship of believers, being with other people. And why do we have church? To encourage one another. There's something about someone coming alongside you and encouraging you, saying, hey, how are you doing on that, what we talked about last week? How are you doing? Can I pray for you? See, that's what church is all about. It's not about a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's about having people come alongside of you and encourage you on your walk with the Lord. Amen. So I believe complacency has begun to happen, maybe not in this church, but in, in the church world at large. And for those of you that aren't sure what complacency means, I have a video, and if I can get the lights turned off back there, um, we have a little video that we want to play, and I want to show you, demonstrate to you what complacency is. Brady takes the snap, here's the blitz, rolls to the right, fires to the right. Yeah, did you get what happened there? He thought, number 24, Champ Bailey, thought he was going to return that ball, that interception, for a touchdown, and right before the goal line, he slowed down. He slowed down, and out of nowhere came this speeding bullet named Benjamin, Benjamin Watson and took him out and prevented him from scoring a touchdown. Let me, let me share with you what the description, what the, what, what the definition of complacement, complacement is, and then see if you saw that happening right there. To be complacent is to have a level of self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers or deficiencies. That pretty much explains that video. He was confident he was going to walk in the end zone with a touchdown, and he was going to be standing in front of the cameras, and they're going to be celebrating a touchdown, but completely unaware of the danger that was coming right at him. That's what happens to you and I when we become complacent. Complacency is also very evident in the lack of zeal and dedication spiritually in terms of God's gifts that he's given you and I. For example, every one of you are uniquely created. I was telling someone, uh, a young person this morning or this afternoon, there's nobody like you in this world. There's not another individual like you. In fact, we all know this, your fingerprints, you are the only one in this world that have those fingerprints. Not another person of the 7.8 billion people on this planet 
Think about that. Almost 8 billion people have fingerprints like you because you are uniquely, divinely created by a loving God. Amen? Amen. He knows all about you. And He's given you and He's gifted each of you with gifts different than the person next to you. And, and He's wanting for you to use those gifts. But unfortunately, I believe these last 18 to 20 months, we've become complacent. And I'm here today to stir that up again. Stir that up. Stir that gift in you again. Amen? Remind you of where you're supposed to be. So spiritual complacency, it means this. It means when you're okay being just okay. When you're okay just being spiritually comfortable, which leads to laziness, slackness, apathetic, no interest, no care. It means to be passionless, without passion. Now, how many want that in their marriage? Nobody does, right? If you're married, you don't want that kind of a relationship. You want it to be full of passion and energy and vibrancy. There's nothing worse than being complacent in a relationship. And we're talking about a relationship with Almighty God. So today I want to focus on how to identify complacency with the aim of eliminating it in our lives. Why also believers can become complacent and the dangers of complacency. So for the next few moments, that's what I want to speak to you on today. So if you have your Bibles or your app device, and if not, we have the scripture up on the screen, but I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. You know that's a great name for a coffee shop. Hebrews. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 12. And I'm reading out of the NIV version. But listen to these words that the author says here. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Amen. See, the writer, what he's trying to tell us in this, in this passage is that not only, not only are you spiritually dull and don't even listen anymore, you're so slow and lazy and you don't have right understanding that that you should be teachers, you should be well beyond where you're at right now, but we can't even feed you spiritual food. We gotta give you milk. We gotta give you the basics because they've settled into complacency. They've settled into a life of comfortableness. That's a danger. It's a danger right there. These believers had become spiritually complacent or spiritually lazy. And again, this can happen to any of us. You know, all of us, you'll hear me say this time and time again. God wants each of us to use our time, our talents, and our treasures in the kingdom of God. He's gifted each of you with time, talents, and treasures. How are you spending that in the kingdom of God? How are your time, how are you using it? Is it all day in Facebook or is it in the book? Is it on Instagram, is it on your TikTok, and on and on and on, I can go on. Or are you making wise choices with your time? We all have the same amount of time, amen? amen? We all have the same amount of time. How are you using this time? So, 
All this leads to the fact that complacency hinders our spiritual growth. It stops us. It plugs us up. It stops us completely. It's bad when we're at a certain place spiritually, but we know in here that we should be in a different place entirely. That's a bad place to be when you know you're walking and living spiritually at a certain place, when you know full rights that you should be at another level, mature-wise, amen? As parents, we look at our children, we don't treat our our 10-year-old the same way we treat our 2-year-old because there are different levels of maturity. And God wants to see the same thing in each of our lives as we grow, as we mature. He wants to see us grow, amen? Listen to this, this uh, right here that I have to say, what spiritual complacency leads to. It can cause us to just go through the motions of church. Lord, I showed up to church. You should be happy. Doesn't work that way. Spiritual complacency can cause us to not give God our best. You come to God half-hearted in your prayer, half-hearted in your time in the Word, and then it becomes like a duty. And I gotta go to church, and I gotta pray, and I gotta read the Word of God. You got to. No, can I just correct you? You get to. When you you flip that, you begin to understand that you get to read the Word of God, that you get to pray for other people, and other people get to pray for you. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Otherwise, it becomes an obligation and a a going through the motions, and and that's entirely missing the boat. That's where people that are spiritually complacent live, right there in that area. I like to call spiritual complacency a spiritual comfort zone. And let me, let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with being comfortable. There's nothing wrong with being in a recliner. In fact, I've told you already, my family got me the best Father's Day gift ever. It was a recliner that's a, it's a massage recliner. And every day, right before bed, I have an appointment. I have a date with my massage recliner. I get in that thing, and it just it helps me get ready for bed. And it's a great feeling. So there's nothing wrong with being comfortable. But I'm talking about being spiritually comfortable. I want you, or I want to speak to you today on the danger signs that you and I need to watch out for that we don't become spiritually complacent. The first one, and I have four today, but the first one I want to look at is spiritual complacency can stop your spiritual growth in God. Going through the motions can completely just stop your growth in God. So the believers in that text we read, they were so spiritually complacent. They were satisfied where they were at. They didn't, want, they didn't care about anything else, about growing or, or moving on. They were content right where they were at. They were spiritually lazy. They weren't where they were supposed to be. You see, God has a plan for each of you, amen? God has a plan. And so they became spiritually com- comfortable. And that's what I want to warn you about today. That's exactly what the enemy of our soul wants you to feel, to feel spiritually comfortable that, hey, you're okay right here. Can I remind you again what the devil said to, to Adam and Eve in the very beginning in Genesis? The words in the book of Genesis were, that the, the devil said, did God really say this? Did God really say that? 
The Bible says that Satan questioned what God said. He questioned the word of God. And you and I may get to the point where we're, well, did, did God really say I, I, I need to come to church or read the, read the Bible? You know, because you can read the Bible anywhere. You don't have to read it here, but you can read it at home. You can pray at home. And you, begin to, you can begin to question yourself and say, do I really need to do these things? And that's a danger sign when you begin to ask yourself, do I really need to do that? Are you hearing me, church? Amen. 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 So the enemy of your soul, he wants to keep you here spiritually at this level. Why does he want to keep you as a baby? Why? Because a baby is defenseless. Just like the baby that was just born to our friends, the Nally family, that, that, that baby is defenseless. He cannot protect himself. That baby is without any protection whatsoever. We have to step up and protect that child. And the Lord knows that if you're just a baby spiritually, you need protection. You need protection from others, from those in the church, from God himself. Amen? He wants you to be effective in this world. The Lord does. I want to turn your attention to the book of Revelation. This is, um, I want to read to you some words of Jesus when he was speaking to the church at Ephesus. In Revelation chapter 2, verses 2 through 5. Listen to these words of Jesus. Starting in verse 2. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. In verse 4, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Amen. That was a stern warning from Jesus. He's giving them a, a warning here. He's saying, hey, look, I see what you're doing. And let me, I, let me warn you right here. This is where it's leading. They weren't there yet, but that's where it was leading to. Jesus' complaint to the church at Ephesus was that they had left their first love. Let me ask you a question. How many remember the very first time you were exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ and received him as a Lord and Savior if you did? Raise your hands if you remember that time, remember that day. It was a time of liberation. I know for me it felt like a weight of 500 pounds that was on my shoulders was just completely lifted off. And it's something that you don't forget, and it's a, it's a love that you appreciate the Lord for His mercy, His grace, His forgiveness. Amen? Amen. And they had left, or left this love. Their love had grown cold. They could no longer have a loving, intimate relationship with God because they had forgotten what it was like to love God Almighty. So Jesus gives them this warning that He would remove the lampstand from their life. Now, you know what that means is Jesus is essentially telling them, look, I'm going to remove my presence. Jesus is the light. You know that in the Bible? Describes him as the light. Jesus is saying, I'm going to come in and remove my presence from your life. Believer, hear me today. That's a scary place to be 
if Jesus removes his presence from you. But here's the scarier part. He says here that, that if they don't repent, they may continue as that individual or as that, or as that church, but they won't have the presence of God in their life. God forbid that would be you and I or a church that we would continue to function as believers but not have the presence of God in our life. God forbid that would ever happen. But thank God for His loving grace. Thank God for His mercy. Thank God for second chances and third chances and 23rd chances. Amen? Amen. Point number two, spiritual complacency can cause you to leave behind your first love for God. To leave behind your first love. Unfortunately, just like you, if you've been in church for an extended period of time, and those with gray hair, and I color my hair to turn gray, but those of you with gray hair, if you've, you've been around and you've seen a thing or two, you've seen people that have sat in our chairs or maybe in another church, and they're no longer serving God. Some of these same people that you and I grew up with or maybe worshipped with, maybe served with, uh, maybe uh, worshipped at an altar with, are no longer in a church, not just this church, but in any church. And they've become complacent because they left their first love. Their, the love of God grew cold in their spirit. And these are warnings that I want to give you, church. They're warnings that Jesus is giving us. They were at one time, these people, serving alongside you, giving up their time, their talents, and their treasures, and they're no longer in any church seat today. Just as when a man and a woman in a relationship fall in love, so new believers also rejoice at the love and forgiveness we receive when Christ first comes into our life. See, there's something about when you first fall in love with your spouse, when you first meet there's that, I'll do anything for them. It's not an obligation. It's not a duty to open the door, to buy flowers, not just on Valentine's Day or on their birthday or on Mother's Day. If you're a man here today, I may be speaking to you. But to love your spouse, to love your Heavenly Father, takes work. It takes commitment. It's not just a once deal and then it's done and sealed up forever. It takes work. It takes commitment. This morning I was preaching in Napa. I got to preach at a church at Foothill Christian and there was a couple there married 65 years. There was a couple there married 60 or 53 years. You know that's uncommon nowadays in our day and age. We don't see families like that. And I was just, just amazed. I was saying, well, God bless you. And they both said, both couples said it takes work. And how lucky they were to have them as a spouse and on and on and on. But they, both couples admitted it takes work. It takes work. But they're still in love with each other because of the commitment they have to one another. Let me read a couple of scriptures to you because I feel that these are important for you to understand. That um, in order not to become complacent, we have to be aware that the enemy wants to come in and steal your passion. For the Lord and for one another. Amen. What does Mark chapter 12 and verse 30 tell us? Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. The gospel, the word of God is tied up in this, in this verse and in the next verse I'm about to read to you as well. But verse, Mark chapter 12 verse 30 says the following. 
Love the Lord your God with some of your heart. Oh wait, it doesn't say some of your heart, right? With most of your heart. No, it doesn't say most of your heart. It says all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. Imagine your spouse telling you, well, honey, I love you most of the time or I love you three quarters. You know, I don't love you all the, all the way, but I just love you three quarters. Imagine that. That's, not a, that's a relationship that's doomed to fail right there. I'll tell you that right now. The Lord at the same time wants you and I to love Him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. In other words, put everything behind it. Put everything behind it. Exactly, all in. And, <coughs> excuse me. One of the things I tell people, sometimes this comes up in counseling, sometimes um, just in life in general, but how many know that regrets are a terrible thing? Regrets are a terrible thing. Whether it's relationship regrets, whether it's a decision that you may have made, but I'm a big believer that if you're going to do something, do it with 100% of your gusto. Do it 100% of your time, of your passion. Because what can happen is, years later, as you reflect back, and, and if you didn't give 100%, say you were only half committed, to that relationship or whatever that was, that pursuit, that goal, and it didn't work out. And you're going to kick yourself because you're going to say, I wish I would have given 100%. I wonder what would have happened if 100% passion would have been behind that, where I'd be. And, and see, so don't be that person. Give 100% of your passion towards God, and He will not steer you wrong. Amen? Amen. He, the, the Lord says He will walk with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. How, why would you ever want to lose that? So with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind and strength, love the Lord your God. A companion scripture that goes along with that is found in John chapter 13 and verse 34. Listen to these words. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, that's, that's a hard word there because he's not just saying just be nice and love one another. One another. He's saying love like I loved you. Do you know what he did? Yeah. He gave himself for you. He sacrificed himself for you. In other words, he's saying your love should be sacrificial towards each other. Ho hoping the best for one another. Giving your best for one another. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you today, the question for you today is this. Are you still pursuing God, your first love, like the day you were first introduced to Him? Or have you lost that love and feeling, like the righteous brothers? <laughs> have you lost that love and feeling? Leads me to my third point. Spiritual complacency can cause us to become me-focused instead of people-focused. And that is the truth right there. Let me share, let me, let me touch on that. We've all met people that are self-centered, egotistical, narcissistic. And it's oftentimes those people that are the last people to realize how self-centered they are. And it's actually quite funny when you meet people like this because sometimes they don't even realize how they come across. Amen? 
let me give you the definition. Self-centeredness is defined as immoderate concern with one's own self-interest and well-being, self-love or egotism. The Bible tells us that people who are self-centered aren't able to please God. If all your thoughts are revolving about you and just you, that's actually a sin. You can't please God when all your thoughts are just revolving about you. Self-centeredness is a sin because it leads to self-gratification, only just doing what you want, what feels good, overlooking other people's needs. Self-centeredness and self-love are totally against the scripture of God. God said what to love one another, just as he has loved us. Self-centeredness has no part of that. Let me read to you Philippians chapter 2, the scripture here, and how a believer should be living their life. Paul, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Wow, that hits right here. Boom. I mean, it's a bullseye. It hits every one of us. And now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that it's, it's not right for you to enjoy your life and, and take care of the necessities that you and I need to have. No, there's, that's the perfect right. That's, you have that right. But when that's all you do is just concern yourself with me, 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 that's wrong. In fact, how many have ever read the book The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren, Pastor Rick Warren? Saddleback Church. It's a book that came out um, quite a few years ago. And I used to teach that uh, Bible study based on that book. But the very first sentence in that book says this. It's not about you. And it just hits you. Boom. Like that's the very first sentence in the book. And that wakes you up right away to realize, okay, I think I know where we're going here, Lord. But here's the truth. It's not about you. It isn't. It's not about you. And get, don't get me wrong, church. I love every one of you here. But it's not about you. It's about him. Amen. It's about him. Amen. Yes, Lord, you're worthy. I want to have you turn to Galatians chapter 2. And let me read this verse to you. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. This is describing the life of a believer here. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is a person that's no longer looking inward, but looking outward at what God has done for them in their life. You see, there should be a point in time where you can say, that was the old Rick, and this is the new Rick. That was the old Bianca, and this is the new Bianca. That was the old Raquel, and this is the new Raquel. Amen? We need to look outwardly instead of just focusing on ourselves. And then we'll see God's mercy and His forgiveness and His love at work. And it helps us to then get involved in that. I don't know about you, but when I see God forgive somebody, when I see tears of repentance being shed... That just reminds me how great God is, amen? How much he loves you and I, amen? amen? Now my final point, point number four, 
spiritual complacency, if we stay in it long enough, can cause us to eventually turn away from God or backslide. And turn away, what I mean from backsliding is, you once had a relationship with God and you've turned your back and are now living in complete opposite to what He showed you, to what He saved you from, and so forth. How many understand that? Amen? Amen. So not only is it possible to leave and forsake your first love, but it will often cause you to completely backslide. And that is a dangerous, dangerous place to be. Let me just share this with you. I knew this 28-year-old man who had been saved by grace and was fairly new convert. But unfortunately, he was, he was recently divorced and he had started to become disillusioned with his future, even thoughts of suicide. God had forgiven this young man and he had left his first love. And this young man knew that, that he had left his first love. And he began to pursue the very things that God had saved them from. You see, there, when we come to the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, there should be a defining moment where I receive Christ, I'm a now a new creation, yeah. and I've left behind the old things. Yeah. Yeah. And this young man started to look back started to look back. Church, be careful if you start to look back. Be careful when you start to look back. Because the enemy wants to pull you back to the old friends, the old lifestyle, the old habits. Amen? Amen. This young man began to, or he left his first love and began to pursue the very things God saved him from, from. From just looking for the weekend and getting drunk and doing drugs and other stuff. And one of the problems when you backslide is that there's a lack of conscience about sin. In other words, you can be doing things and not have a problem doing those things. But there's a paradox because as one who backslides, you know better. And every day that you wake up or go to bed, when you look in that mirror, there's a Holy Spirit telling you, you know better. There's, because there's something about when you tell a backslider, hey, you know what you're doing? That's wrong, man. You were my inspiration. You were my, you were my example. And, and when you backslide, all those things come on you. All those things begin to come upon you. <clears throat> and so one day, after about two years of living this backslidden life, this young man found himself in a particular place, in a, a particular situation. And he just thought to himself, how in the world did I get here? How did I get here? And it was at that particular place, at that particular moment, that that young man came to his senses and turned his life back to God. Yeah. Amen. And how do I know that? Because that young man was me. That was me. That, that was a true story because it was me. God's grace and mercy can bring us back to him. That's why I'm a big believer in Second chances, third chances. You fail God, just tell him you're sorry. Tell him with all of your heart, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, all of your soul, Lord, I'm sorry. Pray Psalms 51, the prayer found that David put together when he committed adultery, when he sinned. Pray that prayer. But here, let me just remind you as I get ready to close. 
The scriptures tell us that the dangers of complacency can lead to backsliding. And I want to just share with you real quickly what happens to us spiritually if you backslide. First one is you're hindered in what is good. You're hindered in what is good. Galatians 5, 7, you don't need to turn there, tells us that you are hindered in what is good. Even Paul struggled with this. He said, I want to do the things that are right, but I can't. There, when you're a backslider, you want to do what's right, but you can't. The pool of the enemy, the pool of, of Satan is so strong that it pulls you back into that darkness. Secondly, you lose what you had gained. You had made tremendous steps of maturity. Maybe you were even teaching Bible studies, teaching others, witnessing to others. Now, because you backslid, you lost all that. You lost all your influence. Thirdly, you dishonor God and slander Him as though there were some fault in Him. Basically, what you're saying when you backslide is you're looking at God and saying, Lord, I know what your word says, but I disregard it. You dishonor the Lord Almighty when you walk a life of a backslidden believer. Fourthly, you lay stumbling blocks before others. What do I mean by that? People look at you when you're a believer. They look at your life. And if you've led somebody to Christ, if you've ever witnessed to somebody, if you've ever, ever shared the word of God with somebody, and then years later they look at you and you're doing and living a lifestyle completely opposite than what you had told them, that's a stumbling block to that person. That's going to cause them to be stumbled in their walk. They're not going to understand why and how. We can be a stumbling block to others and they can be hindered in their spiritual walk. And then lastly, you store up sorrows and chastisements for yourself. How many know that sin doesn't go unpunished? You may not get caught at that moment for what you may have done. You may not have paid a sentence at that moment, but it's coming. Judgment is coming. It will happen. It may happen six months from now. It may happen a year from now. It may happen two years from now. But believe me, nothing is ever hidden. According to the scriptures, nothing is ever hidden. So we store up all these sorrows when we backslide. We store them up for our future. We have to face them. At some point, you have to face your past. So my prayer today for you, church, is that if these last 18 to 20 months have become so challenging that you've caught yourself maybe in some of these situations, those maybe not here, but maybe watching later on YouTube, and you've seen this in your life, I want to pray for you today. I want to pray because it's not too late. I want to pray because God is a God of second and third chances. Amen. There are people here that have received that. People here that have been blessed by that. So I would ask you right now, church, as we close, if you'll stand with me in closing. If you would just bow your heads with me right now, just close your eyes and bow your head. And I want to ask you this. If there's anybody here that struggled with what I'm talking about, 
these last 18 to 20 months and they've felt themselves just pulled away, becoming complacent. It's been very easy to happen. But with your eyes closed and if that's you today, just raise your hand because I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God is your strength. That God gives you the strength you need. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Help us to not be complacent, Lord. Lord, we come before you right now. For those that are here in this place today, physically, those that are watching online as well, my prayer right now is that you would receive this. You, person that feels like you've been complacent, that you've gotten too comfortable, that you've gotten too lazy, spiritually lazy, it's not too late. It's not too late. The Lord, the Holy Spirit is calling you right now and is reminding you that He loves you, that He has a plan for you, plan to bring you a hope and a future, not plans to harm you, but that hope and a future of blessings. So right now, I pray, Father, that you would forgive that person right now in the name of Jesus. Forgive that person watching online right now in the name of Jesus. Bring restoration to them. Give them that first love again. May that love come all anew again. May that forgiveness fill their home, fill their place where they're at right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Father. We thank you for your goodness and your kindness towards us. Your mercies are new every morning, Lord, and we give you thanks and praise for that. Thank you, Father. And I can't close without offering this prayer of salvation. Again, with your heads bowed. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, or you want to recommit your life to the Lord, I want you to pray this prayer with me out loud. In fact, I want everybody to pray it, but especially you. This is a prayer of forgiveness. It goes up like this, but you need to mean this with all of your heart. And as we pray this prayer, I want you to repeat these words with me out loud and declare them to the Lord with all of your heart, all of your strength, all of your mind, all of your soul. It goes like this. Heavenly Father, I come before you. I know I have sinned. I fall short. Lord, I ask you to forgive me today. Forgive me right now, Lord. I know you went to the cross for me and you died for me and you rose again on the third day so that I might have new life. I receive you today as my Lord and Savior and I give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Look at me. If you said that prayer today, the Bible says that angels of heaven rejoice right now at the sound of one person. Amen. Giving their life to the Lord. Those that are watching online, if you pray that, let us know. Through the comments, reach out to us. Anybody here that may have prayed that prayer, let me know. I'm going to be up here if you need prayer. But as always, I close with this blessing. Just bow your heads one last time. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. 
In Jesus' wonderful name, God bless you and have a great Sunday. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, be sure to check out our Facebook page at Foothill Christian American Canyon.